All right, live from the Bell Center to preview the Habs and Sens is our man in Montreal, Sean Gordon. Gordon, how are you? I'm good. I'm uh, standing in front of the wall of Stanley Cups outside the Habs dressing room. Very so, fitting. Know, very an appropriate fitting. place. An appropriate place to begin the discussion about the playoffs. Yes. Uh, before we specifically get to the series, I feel like we have to talk briefly about the regular season that Carey Price had. A new wins record for a franchise that's had a decent keeper or two in its history. Um, <laughs> yes. Just how good was he? Stunningly good. Um, and and I think when you look at it in the aggregate, it, it's even more impressive. I mean, I, I, it's interesting. I actually sat down earlier, uh, or last week, I guess, late last week, earlier this week, um, as part of an exercise uh, to, to kind of pick out a few highlights of, uh, of the season for him and maybe some of the best saves and best performances and best games. And I ended up having to basically go through the the match by match list again to refresh my memory about this stuff, and there are just so many. Right? You think, oh, you know, yeah, that's right, the save on a Poso in November, and it's like, oh, wait, but then there was the save on Matt Martin, and it's like, oh, wait, then there was this, there was... and when you look back at at these performances and what he was able to do, and it's that's when you really realize the consistency, um, and how hard uh, it's been for him to reach this point, and. And, and how well he's played having got there um, is really quite an achievement. And I think it's inarguably the best thing about this club is, is, is Carey Price's performance and Carey Price's year. And I think that, you know, this year, last year, he had a fabulous year and should have probably been among the Vesna finalists. Um, and this year, he's even just built on it even further. And it'll be interesting to see because over the last two or three weeks, he hasn't quite looked like Carey Price, Carey Price, uh, his uh, save percentage was uh, hovering around historic highs like Dominic Hasek, like uh, 937, 938, and ended the year around 933, which is still fabulous. Uh, but it just goes to indicate that, you know, he's had a slight drop off, uh, as the whole team has, quite frankly, over the last three weeks. I think a lot of that has to do just with the fact that they knew their playoff place was assured. Uh, they had pretty strong indications that they were going to get home ice. Um, and it didn't really matter, quite frankly, uh, what happened for the last two or three weeks of the season beyond tweaking and making sure the system was sharp and all that other sort of stuff. And and probably more, most crucially, not doing anything stupid, getting hurt. If I could use a uh, pop culture reference here, it's sort of like uh, if you think of the rink as the matrix, Price is starting to see the code now, right? Maybe able to slow <laughs> exactly, things down right. and manipulate his environment. And... Exactly, exactly. Yeah, this, uh, what's the, the, the crazy slow motion that they invented for that? Exactly. I mean, it's sort of, he is, he is in a situation where, um, and, and so much of hockey is psychological. And, when, and when, you've got, when you've got a guy who is now accepted as the best in the game, who night after night stands on his head, I mean, I, it's, in a strange way, I don't even think he needs to be uh, full on 100% carry price to put other teams off. Um, the presence of the guy, the fact that he's there, uh, I think actually counts for something. And I think that when you're approaching a team like this, you're going to understand that the chief challenge, number one, first and foremost, is to get pucks past this guy. It's not an easy thing to do. Senators have done it fairly effectively, uh, but the Senators haven't actually played him that much this year. And so it'll be interesting to see uh, how all that works out here uh, this evening. And, and I mean, it's, it's, it's the sort of deal where when you have uh, a, a player and a presence whose legend is growing, uh, I think hockey players are, are people too, and, and they get caught up in that. Uh, probably not quite as much as fans do, but it's, it's, it would be, it would be uh, incorrect to say that it doesn't have an effect. If memory serves, the uh, last time these two teams met, the series turned into an absolute gong show. 
it can, did. Wow. Can you give us an update on the state of the rivalry? How intense is this? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's interesting. I think I think both teams are really into it. Um, I my perception of the Senators is the they they are extremely confident and very relaxed bunch. Um, this this Habs team is a is a is a bigger, faster, although maybe not as mean a group um, as the as the team in 2013. But I, it's a little different challenge, I think. The Senators have almost identical an almost identical lineup. Um, you know, there have been some important modifications uh, for the Habs. And it'll be interesting to see with all the new players whether whether you get that same level of anger. Um, and, you know, it, it's interesting. I, I talked to Lars Eller earlier in the week about this. And, of course, he was laid out in the second period of Game 1 by Eric Greiba. Pretty nasty elbow, you'll recall. It kind of set the tone. That and, that and Craig Anderson essentially stealing that first game. Um it's the sort of thing where I, you know, it's like, hey, do you, have, you know, do you harbor any grudges? He's like, you know what, I just want to win. Like he goes, I, I don't remember it, I don't, I don't care about it. It's not an issue. Because my, my main focus is not on trying to show these guys how tough I am. My main focus is on putting the puck in the net and stopping the other guys from doing it. And so it'll be interesting to see. I mean, and he's not sort of like a, a raging cauldron of emotion at the best of times. Uh, but uh, it'll be interesting to see whether. Uh, whether anything sort of untoward happens here in the early going that uh, that spices things up, and I kind of have the feeling that it's going to be mostly about trying to play hockey. And I think that the approach in coaching as well is a little different this time around. Having Dave Cameron, who's a more um, you know swashbuckling, damn the torpedoes kind of guy, uh, than Paul McLean was, and it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see stylistically how this happens. PK Subban said something actually quite profound. Uh, Last week uh, in an interview when I was chatting with him, he said, you know, he goes, you, you can't dictate the game. You have to, you know, the game itself takes on its personality. You have to react to the way an individual game develops. And you can't try and impose yourself on it because it's just not going to work, right? So it'll be interesting to see that uh, tonight, see how everything plays out. Uh, Max Pacioretty is obviously huge for this team. Uh, he's out for game one. Do you think he'll play in game two or is he still some time away? It's hard to tell. I mean, I, everyone assumes he has a concussion. Uh, you can be feeling great one day and not great the next, and so who knows? I mean, I, his powers of recuperation, however, are quite legendary, and I would be very surprised if he misses any extended period of time. I think probably um, he sets out game one, although does he really? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, they said doubtful. I don't think, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he takes the warm-up. Um, I'd be surprised if he plays, though. Quite frankly, I, I don't think you know. There's there's a there's a limit there's a limit to playing head games with the opposition. Um, but I, I don't think he's going to be out for an extended period of time. I, I, at least it doesn't appear that way from now, given that he's been able to uh, to practice with the club and, and is uh, and, and is taking contact. And it, there's a there's a school of thought actually that um, that that he may have something other than a concussion uh, or something in addition to a concussion. Which is going to keep him out a little bit longer. But I, it's the playoffs. Uh, he's he's the Wolverine. Um, I can't imagine that he's not uh, that he's not going to be back. Now, that's one question. The more the more the more the more relevant question is what what which Max Pacioretty, what kind of Max Pacioretty are you going to get? Right? Is he going to be able to play the way he wants? Is he going to be able to uh, reach maximum effectiveness? I guess, as they like to say on the television, Darren, only time will tell. <laughs> Totally as an aside, you know, I noticed he's wearing the uh, tinted visor at practice this week. Um, yeah. Any kind of reaction from you on, you know, there's been two or three guys that have done that. 
in the past couple of weeks, and it kind of makes me wonder if a guy's still struggling with light, wouldn't that indicate he's still having symptoms, he's still hurt? Yeah, you know, again, that's the source of a lot of conjecture and argument. I, I've kind of, I've kind of learned to stop uh, trying to interpret the the uh, the entrails and the signs when it comes to concussions. I mean, it may well be that he has a certain sensitivity to light. Uh, it may be that it's a precaution. I mean, I don't know. The, the tint, the tint on his visor looks very, very light to me. It doesn't like it's, it's not, it's nowhere close to being as tinted as say. Alex Ovechkin's visor and like that, or even the one that Clark MacArthur was wearing when he came back from mm-hmm. concussion for Ottawa. Is it a symptom? Yeah, in theory it is. I mean, is it is it a sensitivity that he's had before? Is it is it as I said? I mean, I you know, is it is it a is it a, a severe sensitivity? Is it a slight sensitivity? Is it the sort of thing where they want to make sure that uh, that, that that the optical nerves aren't overtaxed? Is it is it the doctors who who said you should wear this? Is it he his idea? I, we don't know, right? We just don't know these things and. You know, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar, and yeah, he's wearing a tinted visor, and that suggests that he's got some sensitivity. But it's one of those things where I, I you know, I, I don't know that we have enough information to say what that actually means. And so, you know, yeah, it may well be that uh, that, that that he's still injured, uh, or that he's that he's not yet through the protocol, whatever that is, this week. Um, <laughs> you know, because it varies from teams to teams. You know, the last CBA kind of muddied the waters more than anything. Um, you know, I, I don't know. It sort of seems to me, though, again, as as is always kind of the perennial issue that's actually kind of really hard to deal with about hockey, pro sports in general, excuse me, is that there's no incentive to act to err on the side of caution here, right? The player's incentive is to want to come back. The team's incentive is to want to get the player back on the ice. The doctor works for the team. You know, everybody wants this guy back on the ice, including the player himself. And, and are they going to push it uh, as hard as they can? Probably yes. And, uh, you know, does that mean he comes back before he's 100%? Guys come back before they're 100% all the time. Should they? No, but it happens. So it's a fact of life, right? There's, there's a lot at stake. Uh, these are proud athletes. They're handsomely paid, and, and he's going to want to come back. And I think that uh, it would be very surprising to me if he didn't. Uh, in light of that uh, injury news, I wonder, uh, this is a team that struggles to score for reasons I don't totally understand. Uh, if he is out for an extended time, where do they find offense? Well, uh, it's a lot of it's going to have to come from role players, right? A lot of it's going to have to come from the third line. You're going to need offensive production from Lars Eller. You're going to need offensive production from Devante Smith-Pelly. You're going to need uh, two-way play from Jacob Delarose. You're going to need Pierre-Alexandre Taranto to come up to, to the fore here. You're also going to need for your top offensive players to be threatening enough as to occupy the best defensive elements of the other side. So you're going to need Alex Galchenyuk to be... Uh, a, a major offensive force. You're going to need Brendan Gallagher to figure out the Senators' defensive zone coverage against them. They're going to need a lot of different things to go right. Now, one thing that I've noticed over the last two weeks or so is uh, the Canadians seem to be a lot more active in moving the defenseman up the ice. And having having a guy like Jeff Petrie on the second pair, I think, is a game changer. And I think he is... You know, it's always it's always degrees, right? Playoff series often come down to nuances and to and to unheralded matchups, right? Like is Pierre Alexandre or is Pierre Gabriel Jean, Pierre Alexandre Pierre Gabriel? I'll get his name right eventually. Jean Gabriel <laughs> Pajot uh, is Pajot going to be better than Alexei Emlin, right? Um, is 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 Petrie going to be better than Patrick Weirkoch? Like it's one of those things where you know you can assume that the goalies are going to be good. You can assume that 
the defensemen and top lines are going to be good. And it, it ends up being sort of smaller things that can have ripple effects. And to me, having a guy like Petrie who can contribute offense from the second pair, having a guy like Nathan Beaulieu who can really skate the puck on the third pair, these are the sorts of things that suggest Montreal will be able to find offense in places that they haven't found it throughout the year. And they're coming into this having scored four goals in four straight games, right, or three straight games or whatever it is. So it's, it's, it's a strange thing. Sometimes it dries up and you can't really explain. Sometimes the tap is turned on and you can't really explain that either. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, obviously, they are better with Pacioretty than they are without him. But at the same time, the three games that they've played here, or two and a half games that they've played here without him, uh, they've actually looked all right offensively. Have you seen any signs of life from the power play? It's been a bit of a mystery all year. Well, um, yeah. They have... They, it's it's perplexing because they, they have all the talent in the world to run the power play, um, but it's almost as if, you know, they, they, have the, they have the shiny, deadly weapon that is P.K. Subban on the back end, and they always want to use it. The other teams have figured this out long ago, um, and they haven't really found a way consistently to create a second option that is going to be, uh, that, that you need to defend as closely as you defend Subban. And so... I think missing Pacioretty there is probably going to hurt a lot. Uh, but at the same time, they've got all these guys who can do wizardly things with the puck. And I think that if they can, if they can start to play with confidence on the man advantage, I think that, that makes a huge difference. And it's been better, right? The last two or three weeks, uh, they went through a stretch at one point where they had power play goals, I think, in six or seven straight games. And even though the percentages were not superstar great like Washington Capitals like uh, it was respectable and it was one of the things that that you want to see or you hope to see as you're heading into the playoffs right players look for different things than fans do obviously in the way that they're preparing for the postseason and I think that there was some some the consensus view in the in the Habs room is that there's there's some encouragement to be taken from the way the power play is look they understand the stakes they know that you need that um, at least as a weapon as, as, a, as a factor uh, in a playoff series even if uh, you know the last couple of Stanley Cup champions have shown that uh, you don't necessarily have to be clicking at 30 percent uh, throughout the playoffs to win so it'll be interesting to see and I think you know in a series where there is the potential for uh, you know how, we, how shall we say emotional the bubbling over of emotions uh, being able to score on the power play is going to uh, is going to be a, uh, an important uh, an important arrow to have in the quiver. So it'd be interesting to see how that uh, plays out. The Sens are obviously dealing with a lot of sadness off the ice. Uh, GM Brian Murray announced in November he has stage four colon cancer, and the team announced yesterday that assistant coach Mark Reed passed away from the disease after a lengthy battle. Seems kind of silly, I know, to ask a hockey question about this, but I do no. wonder if you get the sense their young guys are focused and they're. Able, they're ready to get going while they're trying to sort through grief at the same time. Yeah, I, I uh, my, my, my impression, uh, and impressions are dangerous, but my impression from wandering around the room and talking to guys is that this is actually an added source of motivation. Like, beware the band of brothers, right? Beware people who are united in, 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 uh, in, in, in supporting the similar cause or the same cause. And I think that, uh, you know, win one for, win one for Reeds is going to be the, is going to be the, the the operative catchphrase here, and I think that they have been playing for uh, for Brian Murray, and they have been playing for Mark Reeds, um, and I think that's that's that sort of solidarity 
um, and that kind of uh, emotional touchstone, I guess you might call it, is probably a good thing. Now, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, it may be that it was the, the, the distractions. I mean, I, one guy was saying today that he was a little bit, not rattled exactly, but that he was a little bit taken aback to see uh, just how choked up Dave Cameron, uh, the Senator's coach, was uh, over, losing, uh, over losing his friend Reeves. And, and, and it's understandable, and it'll be interesting uh, to see what, what side of the balance sheet that actually comes into. I, my, my, my assumption is that it will be, and again, not to be callous about it, but my assumption is that, is that this, is, this is precisely the sort of uh, unifying thing, right? Whether, you, whether you're unified through grief or anger or, or you know, an inferiority complex or whatever, it doesn't really matter so much as you're, as you're united. And I, and I think this is a pretty united group. Up front for the Sens, it's been Kyle Touris and a bunch of young guys like Stone, Pajot, Hoffman carrying the load. Uh, does Lars Eller draw that assignment on Touris? I think he probably does because I think they're going to want to make sure that uh, Thomas Plekinitz, uh is out against uh, is out against the Zibanejad line. Although it'll be interesting to see because when you actually look at the matchups, like you would think that 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 the that the Plekinets line would get the most explosive offensive unit on the other side, except that Senators prevent, present a bit of a problem because of they've got three lines that can do this stuff. And uh, it's the sort of situation where, you know, Eller, I think, probably will get uh, the assignment against Turris because I think probably his unit matches up physically uh, better than, uh, than, say, the Buchanan's line does. But this is an interesting conundrum for Terry and I'll be very, in, I'll be, I'll be very intrigued to see how he approaches it. And, you know, with the last change, obviously he has the luxury of of, uh, of dictating matchups more than uh, than Dave Cameron does. But I, it'll be and more than that, also it'll be interesting to see how much time Lars Eller spends on the ice with Andre Markov and PK Subban. I mean, I think that's probably you know if you can have him and the top defensive pair out, you're going to make life really hard for any offensive-minded player on the other side. But you know, again, like the the, the Senators, the Pajot line, you know, the Pajot line is is I don't know, like the, there's something about that line. They just they they they, they shift they they shift burdens. They 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 move the momentum needle. I don't know what they do, but there's something about those guys and the way that they play, and particularly the way Pajot plays against Montreal, that presents uh, some difficulties. On on the, the conversely, right? I mean, maybe you find a situation where David DeHarnes on the ice against uh, Borovievsky and uh, and Griba, which I think should send cold sweats down uh, the spine of any Ottawa Senators fan. Um, you know, I, I, it, it's it's interesting because we can talk about balance and about uh, parity and all these sorts of things. But I think, I think if you look at it from top to bottom, the Senators have higher quality forwards in their bottom two lines. But I think the Canadians' defensive uh, brigade is far stronger from top to bottom. So it'll be interesting to see how all that plays out. And I guess as a roundabout way of saying, I'm not entirely sure who Eller is going to play against, but I'm guessing probably that he will be deployed as the top shutdown guy uh, in this series. I guess if you're a Habs fan, there's some hope that as good as the Hamburglar's been, this is the Bell Center and these are the playoffs. You think, right? I mean, and, and I think everybody, we all keep expecting the Hamburglar's magic to wear off and for him to turn into a pumpkin uh, at midnight, but it just doesn't seem to be happening. And I think also that, you know, on the nights where he has exhibited frailties, and goodness knows there are some where he has, sort of seems to me that the other guys have been around and kind of pick them up. And uh, you would think on balance, again, that over the course of a seven-game series that Carey Price is a better goalie. You can't argue that he isn't. 
uh, and then over over a long enough timeline, he will end up winning more games than Andrew Hammond. But look, you know, guys go on runs. You get it in the states of grace. You know, uh, Ken Holland, the GM of the Detroit Red Wings, the other day was saying, you know, the fr- from a manager's perspective, trying to evaluate goaltending is a very hard thing because you'll have a goalie who will go on a run that will sometimes last a season or more where you think, yeah, this guy's, this guy's in the elite. And then for whatever reason, it just disappears. And so, you know, can the Hamburglar carry on for another month, two months, year, two years? Maybe he can. I don't know. I guess that's, that's kind of like the, the great, uh, the great sort of Damocles that's kind of hanging over the, the Senator's head. Because if, if, if the magic, if the magic dries up, uh, you can go to a guy in Craig Anderson who's done it before, but who hasn't played a lot in the last little while, and, and we don't know what kind of confidence he's going to be carrying into the playoffs. And so, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see. And 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 you know, Hammond, I thought uh, I thought the regression, I thought ground zero of the regression was going to be when uh, when the Sens and, and Habs played here last, uh, where they scored a couple goals on him early in the game, and he didn't look great. And then he and then all of a sudden he just started looking really good, and and he he swallowed whatever he needed to swallow, or exhaled whatever he needed to exhale, and 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 he was back to being the Hamburglar. And, and so. It'll be interesting to see, and, and you know, we all I think are inherently suspicious of Cinderella stories and 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 of and of these incredible statistical runs. But at the same time, like you would have expected it, you would have expected it to abate before now. It hasn't. So, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see. And, and he's he's an interesting dude. Eh? Like he's a very he's a very laid back kind of guy. And and I wouldn't go so far as to say that he's price like, but it's a he just doesn't sort of seem like a like a fella who's overly phased by any of this stuff. Mostly because he understands that he's playing with house money at this point, right? Twenty-seven years old, never played an NHL game till this year. And, you know, he, he's you know everybody. I think everybody expects him to falter. So as long as he does anything other than falter, uh, it's gravy, right? So I think uh, in a in a strange way, even though there's tremendous pressure on goaltenders in the playoffs, I think Andrew Hammond can play with a lot of freedom because I think you know, people like us are expecting him to stumble at some point. And he just, he just hasn't yet. And it's interesting. All right, Gordon, we won't get a straight prediction. We'll go with the, uh, complete the sentence. The Habs win if. Uh, the Habs win if, uh, Patch Reddy is able to contribute effectively and their defense holds up. Um, and the senators win if, they're able to continue playing with the freedom that uh, that they had. If if they're able, if 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 the line of Pajot, uh, Condra, and Lazar uh, is able to keep, uh, you know, kickstarting the battery or whatever cliche you want to use, um, and if Andrew Hammond is able to maintain some level of consistency, I don't think he has to be a superstar uh, caliber goalie to win to win this series. I think it's a it's a fairly close series. Um, and I, I, I honestly, I'm every time I make a prediction, I get a feeling that the prediction is wrong. So I've gone from thinking that the Habs would win fairly easily to thinking, no, the Senators probably are going to win. Uh, and then, and then sort of on the way back. And I, it's, 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 this is a tough one because I don't know, like there's just, there's, there's a lot of context to process here. There's a lot of things that could uh, factor into the outcome of the series. And so nothing would surprise me. You know, it would, nothing, uh, an Ottawa sweep wouldn't surprise me. A Habs sweep wouldn't surprise me. Uh, and everything in between wouldn't surprise me. So we'll see how it goes. 
We'll enjoy not much it. of a prediction, and that's not much of a prediction. <laughs> I, but at the same time, at the same time, like I, it's one of those things where I, I would love to, I would love to stake my ground on something, except that I just, I can't shake the feeling that anything I say is going to be wrong. I think the entire playoffs are pretty much like that this year. <laughs> yes, exactly right. Although maybe I shouldn't fear being wrong. Maybe I shouldn't fear being wrong. Maybe I should just, maybe I should just swallow it up and say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm at this, at this precise moment. Uh, I don't know, Habs and six. That's my, that's, that's my prediction at this precise moment. Ask me again in 10 minutes, and I'll probably say Sands and five. Well, enjoy game one, Gordo. It's Montreal. It's the postseason. Where else would you rather be? Uh, nowhere else. Nowhere else. And it'll be interesting. I think old uh, Jeanette Renault is going to come out and sing again tonight, so that, uh, that, should, get the, uh, that should get the juices flowing uh, for 21,286 people here at the uh, Bell Center tonight. Excellent. We'll check in uh, later in the series if that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Darren. All right. See you. Cheers.